The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Do you own a business that needs promoting? Hi, it's Doc Thompson from The Morning Blaze. Here at The Blaze Radio Network, we know small businesses create jobs and grow strong communities that help build America. And we want to help you grow your business and share your success story. If you have a business that you would like to have highlighted, email your information to buildingamericaattheblaze.com. That's buildingamericaattheblaze.com. We've created special Building America packages to get your business the attention it needs. Buildingamericaattheblaze.com. The more the world changes, the more we find comfort in things that never change. This is Rabbi Daniel Lappin On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, where I, your rabbi, devotedly dedicate myself to revealing how the world really works. Thanks for being part of the show, and uh, I think it's now perhaps uh, time to start taking a look at the devastation in the area of Houston and uh, elsewhere in the path of Hurricane Harvey uh, that has caused so much destruction and so much suffering. I didn't want to do it last week in the very heart of it because... um, it's, it's never a good time to be talking when there's a lot of doing that needs to be done. Uh, one of the, the principles of ancient Jewish wisdom is do not try to comfort anybody while their dead still lie before them. And that's one of the reasons that the, um, that the official time for uh, a mourner to receive visitors and the official time uh, to pay an official call. Uh, in, in Hebrew, it's called sitting shiva, um, which is a seven-day period that in immediate, immediate family don't go anywhere. They sit at home, and they receive well wishes. Uh, they receive people who want to bring condolences. But that process never starts with death. It starts with burial. And that's the the principle. Don't try and comfort anybody while their dead still lie before them. And the general application of that principle throughout ancient Jewish wisdom is that uh, in in, in the height of a tragedy or at the heart of a crisis, when everybody is trying to deal with a situation, that's not a time for anybody to be talking. That's not a time for me or anybody else to be offering philosophical ramblings. Uh, It just isn't appropriate. It's not right. Nobody's listening. Nobody's paying attention. And even if what one is saying is uh, of of great value, authenticity, uh, and and integrity, nonetheless, uh, it's, it's just not a relevant time for these things to be spoken about. Hence, um, my feeling that perhaps now we can, in fact, take a look at uh, Hurricane uh, Harvey and see what's been going on. Uh, so, um, number one, we are living in a time of the triumph of sentimentality. What I mean by this is that uh, people want the sentiment. 
people constantly are talking about, oh, the president needs to show his face. Oh, the president needs to say the right things. Oh, people need to hear the president tell the truth. And um, on and on this nonsense goes. Folks, I realize how awful the situation in Houston is. I know what it feels like to have these things happen. I, and by the way, I'm not going to use the standard phrase. My heart goes out to those. <laughs> what does that mean? You know, I'm sorry. Once, once politicians have sullied a phrase, normal people can no longer use it. My heart goes out. Look, you're sitting comfortable. You're in a fine place. Your home is good. You're doing whatever you want to be doing, and there are people there suffering. Don't give us this bit about, oh, your heart goes out to them. Uh, you know, I feel sorry for them. And, uh, and I'm assuming that uh, most of us, if not all of us, have already contributed. We've, we've done everything we can, or, or at least some of what we can, to uh, ease the, the financial burden, making sure that uh, the funds we provide actually will go towards um, helping people deal with immediate needs. So we, we've done that. And uh, look, the reality is that the world does continue, right? Uh, there's still North Korea. There is still an immigration problem. There is still uh, criminality. And the idea that this is the only thing going on in the world Right? And we understand that to those people in Houston, of course it is the only thing going on in the world. There's no question about it. You know, when your life is disrupted, uh, whether it's by natural calamity or disaster or whether it's by uh, uh, financial calamity or whether it's by health calamity, when your life is devastated, of course that's the only thing going on. Right at that point, who cares about the Middle East or North Korea or the Antarctic or global warming? Or who cares? Right, nothing else matters other than trying to cope with the with the panic and disruption and chaos that has suddenly overtaken your life. But for the president of the United States to act as if this is the only thing going on, right? And for people to need that and to express this urgent desire for, I'm sorry, folks, I call it the triumph of sentimentality. And by that phrase, I mean to say that nobody cares about the reality. Nobody cares about the actions. They All they care about, and you, by the way, you've heard the phrase, the optics. This is the latest phrase, the optics. That means how it looks. And uh, the sentimentality part of it is, we want to hear the president say the right things. You know, you've got to remember that it's not that long ago when Americans understood that the Constitution did not require or, or even permit the federal government to get involved in situations like this. Now... I'm not going to say that that's a bad thing. Perhaps there is such a, a thing as the, the federal government getting involved on, on things that are truly large. And, you know, to say, well, you know, this is just the problem for Texas, 
uh, that that may be uh, a bit rough, and and it's possible that having a FEMA and having a a national task force, it, it, that may be a good thing, but um, but the idea that somehow the president himself must now focus on this as if nothing else happens, nothing else has happened. Uh, you'll remember uh, Barack Obama, President Obama, at the time of Hurricane Sandy. Of course, the fact that it was just before the elections um, was a very important thing. I think that President Obama was one of the most political presidents we've ever had. And by the way, I think that uh, President Trump is one of the least political presidents we've ever had. Uh, I really don't think that there's been a whole lot that he's said or done which has been calculated to benefit his uh, election or the, the Republican Party. I really do think his attitude all along uh, for the, <laughs> really seems to have been, I'll be me, let the, let the, the, the chips fall where they may. And uh, frankly, to, to many of us, that was a very appealing thing. Um, okay, I'm going to stop for a moment here and uh, go to a quick break. And, and by the way, folks, I just want to mention that, uh, that when there is a commercial break in a show like this, uh, it's for a very good reason, right? That's what pays the bills. That's what keeps us being able to do the show. And, uh, and so I regard those people who have uh, advertised and particularly those people who've deliberately chosen to advertise on the Rabbi Daniel Lappin show um, as uh, I, I, I cherish them and I have a great deal of appreciation and gratitude uh, for the fact that they are advertising on the show. Okay, uh, the website is rabbidaniellappin.com and the uh, product I draw to your attention this week um, is really uh, appropriate not only because of uh, uh, the hurricane in Texas, but in general, the realization that while most of us are fortunate enough not to have had our lives upended by this terrible storm and by the subsequent flooding and destruction, uh, the fact is that uh, most of us, if not now, then yesterday, and if not yesterday, then tomorrow, do have upheavals in our lives that, uh, that are very difficult and often very traumatic. And uh, particularly for people who are going through something, whether it's caused by the weather or by anything else, uh, this product is called Let Me Go. And uh, it's, it's based on the idea that uh, in the Lord's language, in Hebrew, Egypt isn't just a place, it's also a state and a condition, meaning uh, it is a situation in which we find ourselves because in Hebrew the word for Egypt isn't just E-G-Y-P-T. Uh, it is a word which not only applies to the land of Egypt but it also is a word that means um, confined, restricted uh, and um, uh, prevented in, uh, prevented from for what? Prevented from uh, achieving your goals, from reaching your destiny, from doing the things you need to be doing, somehow you're, you're obstructed. That is Egypt. And the idea is that 
everybody is in in Egypt, and uh, it's it's based on the idea that uh, you know if 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 I was writing the book of Exodus, it would have taken me about one chapter. There were ten real bad plagues. This horrible, wicked king called Pharaoh was finally beaten into submission, and uh, Moses led the uh, Israelites out of the land of Egypt. Done, finished. I've saved a lot of paper, saved a lot of ink. Uh, the reason it goes on for chapter after chapter after chapter is not because we need a historical account, but because we need a blueprint for our own escape from Egypt, from our own Egypt. And each and every one of us has an Egypt. Uh, for some people, it's financial Egypt. For other people, it's a marital Egypt. For other people, it's a health Egypt. For other people, it's a struggle on, on another level. But whatever it is, people have troubles. And if you learn to recognize your trouble as an Egypt, then the principles, the underlying principles that were used to get the Hebrews out of Egypt are precisely the principles that would be employed uh, to get you out of your current situation. What are those principles and how do you apply them? Uh, all of that is in a beautiful audio CD program called Let me go. Where will you find out more about it? By going to our website, rabbidaniellappin.com. Easy to do, and there you'll be able to read about it. If you are in such a situation, or maybe somebody in your orbit, um, social or family, friends or family, is in such a situation, then this is a, a very small investment of um, pretty much about what many people spend on a lavish cup of coffee at a nationwide, a worldwide coffee chain whose name will not be mentioned because they are not yet advertisers on the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show. Be back with you in a moment. Ancient solutions to modern problems. This is Rabbi Daniel Lappin on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something, and progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Rabbi Daniel Lappin returns with more of how the world really works on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. Hi, everybody. We're back. Your rabbi, that's me, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, revealing how the world really works here on the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show. And um, uh, thoughts on uh, Hurricane Harvey that's devastated uh, the Gulf Coast. And uh, I can't help thinking back to the, the storm of 1900, uh, the terrible Galveston storm, which uh, killed so many people and uh, made them raise Galveston by nearly 20 feet and build, a, build storm walls and all kinds of things. And, um, and now, of course, Houston has been uh, damaged very severely. Okay, so um, a couple of observations. One of them is that... Um, you will hear, as I have uh, in days gone by and uh, in, in days to come, we will hear government organizations, particularly FEMA, uh, speaking again and again about how don't think Houston is going to return to normal so quickly. Uh, this is going to take years of reconstruction. My dear friends, <laughs> if you've been 
listeners to the Rabbi Daniel Appen show for a while, then you have already learned uh, to become appropriately skeptical of those kinds of statements. Uh, the, the money is a very good clue, all right? And so when FEMA says it's going to take years of reconstruction, what they really are saying is we are going to need special funding allocations from the government for far into the future. Now, my dear friends, the, the reason for that is because every government entity, every department, every organization created by government becomes a living, breathing dragon. And living, breathing dragons not only want to stay alive, they want to eat many innocent maidens so that they can grow fat and strong and become famous. That's what every organization created by government does. But you, you, you barely need me. You don't need me to tell you this because you know all this already. And, uh, and so just be aware that the ordinary citizens, okay, the, the folks in Houston, given the tools, given the materials, given the, the funding necessary, uh, they really are going to have things back to normal incredibly quickly. They really are. But the government departments, oh my goodness, they are going to derive an entire new lease of life from Hurricane Harvey. I dare say that many of the upper-level bureaucrats in FEMA go to bed every night planting their knees on the carpet next to their beds, clasping their hands and lowering their heads, uttering a prayer of thanks for the hurricane. I, it's true. Um, there are all kinds of people who have just been hired by FEMA. They're saying prayers of gratitude for the hurricane. And, um, and they all add, in other words, from the lowest level, when the, when the supervisor of the lowest level person says to him, well, you've just come in from uh, uh, the three blocks you're supposed to inspect it. Uh, how long do you think it's going to take to get things back to normal? What do you think the person says? Right? He's just been hired. Do you think he wants to be let go again quickly? Of course not. And so he responds, oh, uh, I'd say probably 12 to 18 months instead of 12 to 18 days. And uh, so it goes up the line. And so it goes more money allocated because it's easy to appear saintly. It's easy from the top down in government to give away other people's money is always easy. Right? And so... Uh, a farmer struggling to survive in central California uh, has his tax dollars taken to rebuild somebody's house in, uh, in Houston. Fine. But it's also taken to fund the vast army of bureaucrats of FEMA and elsewhere in the federal government that thrive on calamity. You'll remember Rahm Emanuel, one of... Uh, uh, President Obama's um, staff in the White House once said that uh, you never let a crisis or a calamity go to waste. Well, I can assure you that he didn't come up with that genius idea by himself. Uh, not letting a crisis or calamity go to, go to waste is government 101. It doesn't matter where you are in the hierarchy. If you're a government employee in, in anything, in any one of these departments, 
and there is some kind of a crisis, no matter what it is, believe me, you do not want to let it go to waste. And, uh, and so that is going to be one of the side effects. And it is extremely difficult, very difficult, to shrink government under the very best of circumstances. But um, when you've got a, a huge army of bureaucrats, when you have a colossal central administration, uh, there is always a Hurricane Harvey, right? There's always something going on. And they are not about to let a crisis go to waste, not any kind of a crisis and never to any kind of a waste. Each and everything that happens will always be interpreted to require more time, more effort, more employees, and above all, more taxpayer money. And that you can absolutely count on. So just be a little skeptical um, when it comes to uh, Americans putting things right. Uh, people put things right pretty quickly, but uh, government involvement, that lives on forever. The dragon wants to not only survive, he wants to thrive, and thrive he will. At whose expense? The taxpayer, obviously. So um, that then is another point. I want to also talk about the looters. And it's, it's tricky because uh, how do you, I mean, right, if, you've, if you've looked at any of the video footage of the looting being going on, and by the way, a lot of it has been suppressed for a very simple reason, and that is it makes it very difficult to report on the looting in uh, the areas devastated by the hurricane without being labeled a racist, right? So everything has to be said in code these days. Let's talk a little bit about the two Americas that were revealed by the events in Houston. I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin, and uh, I uh, bring forth our pact, which is that uh, you visit my website. I try and bring you the best of ancient Jewish wisdom in ways that hopefully not only entertain, but more importantly, educate, enhance, and assist you in, in, in four major areas of your life, finance, faith, friendships, and, fa and, uh, and family. Family, friendships, faith, and finance. Those are the four F areas that, uh, that I focus on bringing ancient Jewish wisdom to apply. And my hope is that this is, is benefiting you. Uh, if you find yourself in your own hurricane, you find your life uh, undergoing crisis, if you find turbulence swirling around the foundations of everything important to you, then you might want to read about a, an audio program that is on special sale now for literally just a few dollars. It's called Let Me Go. Uh, it's based on the phrase, let my people go. And we're saying, no, uh, the, the real essence of that entire biblical section of Exodus is not about a historical account of how God got his people out of Egypt or how Moses got the Israelites out of Egypt. No, uh, not at all. It is actually a very detailed description how each and every one of us can get ourselves out of our own Egypt. That's right.
uh, rabbidaniellappin.com. One long word with two L's in the middle, by the way, because the word Daniel ends with an L, and the word Lappin starts with one. So it's www.rabbidaniellappin.com. Be back with you in just a moment. Ancient solutions to modern problems. This is Rabbi Daniel Lappin, on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. You want to save money in a place that gives you growth, control, and certainty without stock market risk or tax risk, and you want guarantees and you want it all tax-free. That's a tall order. But you can get all of that with properly designed, participating whole life insurance. Most people think life insurance pays after you're dead. That's true. But you can have tax-free access to use your life insurance insurance while you're alive get the free book to find out how call 702-660-7000 revealing how the world really works this is rabbi daniel lapin on demand on the blaze radio network hello everybody and welcome back to the rabbi daniel lapin show i really appreciate you listening and uh, and i i visualize you uh, i also appreciate the the correspondence i get uh, comments uh, both by email at our website. Uh, however you send your, your thoughts, I really appreciate reading them. And, uh, and I actually derive considerable benefit from them as well. So, uh, rabbidaniellappin.com is the website. And back to the destruction of the hurricane. Um, look, there, there is a canyon that cuts through American culture. There's no question about it. There is. It's not, however, between Democrats and Republicans. It's not between black-skinned people and white-skinned people. It's not between rich and poor. It's not between men and women or any of the other genders that the left insists we incorporate into our sexual lexicon. No, it's not any of those things. The canyon that cuts through the culture is deeper than the Grand Canyon. It's wider than the Grand Canyon. And it is a canyon that separates all those who believe that Judeo-Christian values are vital for our nation's survival and all those who believe that such values are Nothing but obstructions to progress that have to be broken down, eliminated, and carted away. Where do you see this most clearly in these past few days? And uh, I am recording this particular show at uh, the very beginning of September. Uh, you will be hearing it very, very soon. And um, the, the cleanup of... Houston is underway. Well, yes, you saw it in Houston. There were certain people who threw themselves into help, rescue, repair. Some of them were really out there, the, the Cajun Navy guys. Nobody paid them. Nobody asked them. They just show up along with thousands and thousands of other people who just jumped in their cars and headed down to help on the ground. Uh, that's Right? That's the sort of American on one side of the canyon. And among those Americans, every skin color, every economic uh, class, every political affiliation, 
uh, every gender, I'm, when I say every gender, I mean male, female, okay? I simply do not accept the existence of alternative genders. You know that about me already. And does that, you know, and <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to waste time s commenting on, on what the left uh, says to me and about me uh, whenever I make that kind of a statement, but it's a reality. I am deeply committed to presenting on this show only the truth and uh, the truth as it flows from a Judeo-Christian perspective. And, um, and knowing full well, by the way, many of my listeners are atheists, many of my listeners do not regard the Bible as anything but a, uh, a primitive and somewhat irrelative book of, of uh, uh, anachronistic stories. Fine, doesn't matter. But uh, that's what I try and convey here. And so the hurricane showed that one group of Americans went to help. Some of them gave funds, some of them tried to organize, some of them went down to actually help rescue people and, and, and help prevent damage. Fantastic Americans. All those Americans, whether they consciously and diligently think about the role of Judeo-Christian principles and their commitment or lack thereof to those. No, that, that's irrelevant. The point is that whether it was through osmosis, whether it was through being raised by parents or grandparents, whether it was by cultural alignment, or whatever it is, that's a group of people who regard uh, the value of life as paramount, who regard the value of helping your fellow citizen helping your brother as a supreme value, it's not necessarily important at this time and for those people to even go into the question of the origin of those values. It doesn't matter. The fact is those values are not universal, not by any means. Those values are not adhered to by everybody, but they are adhered to by all the people trying to help ameliorate the stress, the crisis, the pain, the suffering, the cost of Hurricane Harvey. But then you've got another group of people, my friends. You've got another group of people, and let's call them the looters. Now, they may be actually the looters, or they could be the people who attacked a news reporter on ABC who um, spoke about, he, he pointed out from footage that was being shot, I think it was being taken from security cameras, I'm not sure, but it was showing looters with masks over their faces, uh, carting things out of stores. And, uh, and he pointed it out. Well, he got slammed. He got thoroughly attacked by intellectuals, by elites, by thought makers and the uh, idea shapers of society. He got slammed. Why? Because he was criticizing people who were just trying to get bread and peanut butter. Folks, let me tell you something. No matter how hungry, there is a huge slice of Americans who would not break into a market and steal bread and peanut butter, no matter how hungry they are. And then there's another group of Americans who weren't hungry at all and who put on masks and broke into stores in Houston and carted out television sets. It's as simple as that. It's as straightforward as that.
it is a huge clash of values. It's got nothing to do with hunger. It's got nothing to do with poverty. It's got to do with values. Does it have anything to do with skin color? Well, unfortunately, uh, this is a huge problem because it's obviously not a function of skin color. But the fact is that there was a vast disproportion in the demographics of looting. Say what you will. It's a, it's a big discussion, and uh, it's a discussion that there is no sign of being held in American uh, thinking over the, the next foreseeable future. There is no sign whatsoever of this discussion being held. And, uh, and so those who are smart keep their mouths shut and don't comment or mention anything of this because the only response that they will uh, welcome and the only response that they will see is to be uh, immediately challenged as a racist. This has become the absolute standard response to try and silence any thoughtful analysis of the American condition right now. Um, I, um, I recently uh, wrote something on my website speaking about how it was that um, uh, there is a difference between what most Jews do and Jewish values. It would be wonderful if all Jews adhered to Jewish values, but we don't. It's a very sad thing. And large numbers of Jews and many Jewish organizations have latched onto the very simple idea that money flows to victims in America. And, uh, and so they struggle to portray themselves as victims. They struggle to portray America as a country overwhelmed by the evils of anti-Semitism and bigotry on every level. And uh, this then enables them to go about their business, which is primarily one of raising money. And uh, to constantly complain and grouch and whine is again part of, uh, of, of this entire culture. Uh, I pointed out that this is not the Jewish way and that uh, the fact is that even after many years of slavery in Egypt, uh, Jews did not speak about it. They did not focus on how Egypt ruined their lives. They just got on with it. After the devastation and suffering of the Nazi Holocaust, Jews who escaped didn't speak about it. They just got on with it. Jewish organizations, different story. And so I, I described this. So one guy writes in um, on our website at rabbidaniellappin.com and says, you know, I surf off Santa Monica in Southern California, and I meet a lot of Jewish surfers, and, uh, and all of them whine and complain all the time, and so I don't believe you're completely wrong, and, um, and I, I have to go and surf somewhere where there are no Jews, so I don't have to be subjected to all this constant whining and grumbling. So I, uh, I, wrote, I responded to him right there on my website, and uh, I said, look, uh, you're missing my point. I said very clearly that many Jews do this. That's not Jewish values. If, um, if archaeologists one, one day point out that uh, a, a large percentage of American Jews have Christmas trees, that doesn't mean Christmas trees became a Jewish value. They didn't. <laughs> the fact that many Jews do something doesn't make it a Jewish value.
Uh, the fact that a lot of Americans loot doesn't make looting an American value. And I said to him, um, whilst it's very possible that you met some Jewish surfers out there looting, uh, the Jewish values were being practiced far more not by your surfing buddies who were looting, but by uh, the Jewish businessmen who probably manufactured your surfboards in the first place and sold them to you. Those were people practicing Jewish values. Well, I got a response to that. A person called me a racist. <laughs> you know, again, it was obviously a Jewish writer. Obviously called me a racist, and I just dismissed him as a silly person. I wasn't going to dignify it with a response because that's the standard response now. Anybody who makes any kind of cultural or philosophical observation impacting uh, people in America or elsewhere, well, you're a racist. Um, tough luck. Um, you know, if that's how it is, that's how it is. Quick uh, break, and first of all, visit the website, please, during the break. It's called rabbidaniellappin.com. Not only will you be able to read some of these hilarious comments and my attempt to respond to them, uh, you know, as wittily as I'm capable of doing, which probably isn't much, and uh, you'll also be able to read up about a product called uh, Let Me Go. And it's, uh, as I've said before, each and every one of us has our own Egypt. I don't know if it is an addiction. Many people, many people suffer from addictions, alcohol, drugs, they have pornography addictions. People suffer from marital problems. People want to get married and, and cannot. Uh, their financial problems, their health problems, whatever it is, each one of those is, is in ancient Jewish wisdom defined as an Egypt. And how do we get out of those situations? Well, we do that by using the principles that enabled the Israelites to get out of Egypt, and I lay, the, lay those out in a terrific audio program. I'm very, very happy with it, called Let Me Go, and you'll read about it on rabbidaniellappin.com. Okay, a uh, quick break, and then uh, back onwards to uh, take a look at lessons from the hurricane. Spilling ancient solutions for modern problems in the areas of family, faith, friendship, and finance. This is Rabbi Daniel Lappin, on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Hey, this is Pat Gray, and I'm coming to the Blaze Radio Network, Monday through Friday, noon to 3 Eastern, beginning Monday, September 11th, from Trump climate change and gender identity to sports, entertainment, and all the celebrities leaving their jobs to sell facial cream. We'll discuss it all. So join me again, noon to 3 Eastern, here on the Blaze Radio Network, beginning Monday, September 11th. It's me, Pat Gray, on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Rabbi Daniel Lappin On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Rabbi Daniel Eppin Show, where I do my utmost to reveal how the world really works. And uh, one of the ways that the world really works is that uh, there are people who, when crisis strikes, try to help, try to solve the problem, and try to contribute to the solution. And there are those who, those who try to exploit the problem. One of the ways of exploiting the problem, of course, is by looting. And uh, tragically, that happened uh, and is happening in Houston as we speak. And uh, out there in the, uh, the battlegrounds of, of Houston, uh, there are firefighters, there are uh, uh, 
there are uh, rescue people, there are medical people, there are law enforcement. I mean, there are people out there doing a huge job uh, under incredibly difficult, physically grueling circumstances. And those people, black skinned people, white skinned people, right? Right? You can just, just take a look at the photographs of the, the responders and you can see a cross section of America. Some of them with plenty of money, some of them with no money, some of them men, some of them women, right? All kinds of people over there. And, uh, and you know what, what is really very, very painful? What, what do you do if, if I mean, look, I, I have this as a Jew, right? Where I, I feel embarrassment at what uh, people who claim to be acting in my interests as a Jew, I really am so often embarrassed. And uh, I must tell you, I feel the same uh, when I, I think about black-skinned Americans, okay, working alongside white-skinned Americans, alongside every different color of skinned Americans trying to fix things and repair things and save people and save property uh, in, the, in the wake of the hurricane. And, and meanwhile, there are organizations claiming to speak on behalf of such people who justify the looting. And to explain it away and to minimize it. It's a bad, bad situation. And um, there are people who actually were shooting at uh, law enforcement, at fire department, at rescue personnel, because they didn't want the crisis to end. They're busy exploiting it. And other folks busy exploiting the crisis are the folks who are pointing out who isn't doing enough? Oh, the president is not doing enough. He needs to do this, or he needs to put ketchup on his fries, or, you know, the stupidity of what's going on. Uh, or, um, uh, you know, how, how's about uh, the people who point a finger at the various churches that are not doing enough? And they, they pointed one of the large churches in, in Houston. And, uh, and how much he's doing and how much he's not doing. And he could have done this and he could have done that. All of this is working out your agenda. All of this is not helping, but it's using the crisis to your benefit. So whether, whether you are actually a hands-on looter who pulls a mask over his face and goes and smashes a store window and walks out with, a, uh, with, with a valuables of, of some kind or another... Uh, or whether you, you uh, are a philosophical looter, where you use this to make political points or uh, points against your enemies, we just have to recognize these two types of Americas. Right? We've got one kind of America that lives, whether it does so deliberately, consciously, or, uh, uh, or intentionally uh, or not, that lives the values of Judeo-Christian culture, and then you've got kind of America who lives in flagrant violation of that culture. And in that category are also those who uh, have um, come out. And again, incredibly foolishly, I must tell you, I feel I need to go take a shower after I even uh, recognize their comments as worthy of addressing in the Rabbi Daniel Lappin show. But I'm going to because they were given wide currency. So, for instance, what I'm referring to are the people who, who said, and oh, this was quoted throughout the media, um, well, 
Texas is filled with evangelical Christians, and uh, look what God did. So that gives you a pretty good idea of how valuable religion is or how valuable Christianity is, right? Because there's so many religious Christians in Texas. <laughs> oh, God hit them a shot, didn't he? That's the kind of childishness and infantile uh, commentary that passes for discourse in the public sector today. So I thought let me take a moment or two uh, to talk about, yes, God and natural disasters. Let's talk about that for a moment. Uh, does God bring natural disasters? Yeah. Uh, or to be more precise, God has set up a world. Um, in other words, not that God wakes up one morning and says, hmm, I think we'll hit Texas today. All right. That's not how it works. The way it works is that uh, the good Lord set up a system, a world with weather, and he set up a system that these things can and do happen. For what purpose? I believe for the purpose of forcing us to get together. Because if there's one thing God wants us to do, it's to connect with one another, to cooperate with one another, to collaborate with one another, to create with one another. And that's why it is that one of the very first interactions between God and humanity in the Bible is to get married, to connect with one another and create babies, right? The ultimate act of human creativity. But there are many other areas in which God wants us to connect and create. Uh, business enterprise is, is another. But um, let's go back to my point. In order to clarify this, I have to say something I really, really beg you not to misunderstand. I even more fervently beg you not to misquote me on. But I'm going to raise the question of whether or not God favors Judeo-Christian countries. What is he talking about? Well, I ask you to do a quick review of the worst natural disasters of the last hundred years. And you're going to find that uh, the overwhelming majority of them, and if you, you know, pick the, pick the top 50 calamities, pick the, the top 20 calamities, and I'm not going to read you the list because you can do this yourself. In, today in the world of uh, Bing.com, why do I say Bing.com and not the alternative that begins with a G? Because uh, I'm not sure that um, Google is not playing a political game these days and suppressing conservative thought through their search engine and through YouTube. I'm uh, working with some people doing some more research on this before I say anything definitive on it. But um, so far, I've seen enough to make me personally uncomfortable. And so I'm favoring the, the Microsoft search engine as it happens. At any rate, my point is that uh, each, each and every one of us um, simply has the ability to go onto uh, Bing.com, search the, the, the worst natural disasters of the last 100 years, pick the top 20, the top 30, the top 25, whatever you want. And you're going to find that overwhelmingly, uh, the majority of them are in non-Christian countries, non-Western countries. Okay, uh, They're all over the place. And what's more is they happen repeatedly. In Western countries, um, they don't happen repeatedly. And the death toll 
is much worse in non-Western countries. So you're going to find your floods in Pakistan, in India, large numbers of them in China, in Bangladesh, and it's again and again and again. Uh, you're going to find floods in Western countries, well, pretty much, uh, pretty much restricted to January the 31st, 1953, when uh, nearly 2,000 Dutchmen were drowned, when the dikes gave way. How many times have Dutchmen drowned in similar Holland floods since 1953? Do you want to know the approximate number? Zero. Right. Why? Because the Dutch pooled all their guilders or gold and built a huge land reclamation project and the whole Delta Dyke system, uh, which is a massive engineering project that protects Holland now. It's simply even though large parts of Holland are below sea level, it just doesn't happen anymore. But it happens again and again and again and again in China, in Pakistan, in Bangladesh, in Africa. It keeps on happening. Uh, Friends, this is not a racist observation. Uh, this is a very simple, real meteorological, statistical observation. Does this mean bad, uh, that God sends bad disasters more to non-Western countries? Of course not. That would be an incredibly dumb and inaccurate conclusion. Because if you look at these disasters from the point of view of objective meteorological intensity... They are no worse than Hurricane Hugo of a number of years ago, Hurricane Sandy, and now Hurricane Harvey. They're no worse, uh, but the calamity is made worse because those countries do not have the culture that America does. They don't have the culture that Holland has. They don't have the culture that Western countries have. And uh, enough said. Uh, you can take a look at it yourself, figure it out, and you see, yes, um, the number of people that are killed, and by the way, I don't mean to be cynical here, but FEMA struggles to find deaths. And so they'll even uh, take deaths, they'll even count in their tally deaths of elderly in hospitals who weren't drowned or anything, but uh, died during this time. And they struggle to build up the deaths because... Everybody recognizes the huge disparity in deaths between similarly intense storms that hit the United States as hit non-Western countries. Because Americans today refuse to believe that Western civilization, of which America is the peak, they refuse to believe that this is superior to the barbaric cultures around the world. Uh, I'm even... Uh, criticized and attacked for using that phrase just as I did. But so be it. I really want to be as direct as possible. I don't want to try and, in a cowardly way, seek refuge in political correctness. Uh, I want to just say it and, um, and tell the truth as best I can. And so, uh, will God stop uh, meteorological phenomena happening because they're Christian populations? Of course not! But what he wants to see happen is that the death toll is very low when meteorological crises strike these societies. Why? Because 
large numbers of the population, maybe more than half, subscribe to the Judeo-Christian values. Perhaps not even with knowing that they're Judeo-Christian, but without even knowing that they're biblical values, but subscribe to the values that assign great importance to life, that assign great importance to helping your fellow citizens, to helping your brother, saving lives. These are not values that are found uniformly around the world. They just not. And so what you see happening here of huge numbers of Americans risking their own lives, going into the floodwaters and helping out, huge numbers of Americans contributing funds, you don't find that in Bangladesh. I'm sorry. I wish you did. But then, of course, I've often said before that I wish that a billion Muslims would become evangelical Christians overnight. It would be a better world if that happened. It would be a world in which intensely disruptive meteorological phenomena would have far less impact on human life and property. And so what we should be doing is giving thanks for how little loss of life there was in Houston compared to what a similarly intense storm would not only would have done, but regularly does in other cultures. That's as far as we go today, my friends. I um, extend uh, prayers for those who are struggling to rescue and help in, in Houston, those who, are, who have suffered in Houston. And uh, to each and every one of you listening, for, thanks for all you've done, uh, all, of, all that you do do on a regular basis to maintain American values, founded as they are, on Judeo-Christian biblical values. So thank you very much for tuning in. Until next week, I hope you have a week of good health and prosperity. I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin. God bless. You're listening to Rabbi Daniel Lappin On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Find more at theblaze.com slash radio.